you're listening to a slightly different version of Sharp Scratch because we're recording some festive episodes. This is a podcast brought to you by the BMJ and sponsored by Medical Protection, where we bring together medical students, junior doctors and expert guests to discuss all the things that you need to know to be a good doctor that you might not get taught at medical school. I'm Nikki and I'm editorial scholar here at the BMJ and I'm also a medical student at the University of Manchester and I'm excited to be joined today by lots of my lovely friends, some of the Sharp Scratch team. Let's do some introductions. Andrew? Yeah, so uh, I'm Andrew. I'm a third year medical student on the Scottish Graduate Entry Medical Programme up in Scotland. And I'm running uh, from Thursday today, so I'm like in the far north. So yeah, it's good to be back on the, is it the 12th top science podcast in the UK. <laughs> yeah. so that's pretty nice. Yeah. So, yeah, to nice to have you back. Lily, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, I'm Lily, and I am a fourth year medical student at Barts in London, which is in East London, which is where I live, and I'm recording. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you're a regular listener, you might remember him as Oki, but I believe we've had a little bit of a rebrand. So do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners? Um, hi, I am the artist formerly known as Prince. I'm, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> hi, I'm Kayode, and I am a fourth year medical student at the sunniest city in Scotland, Dundee. It's not sunny right now because like it's winter and like dark, but it still counts. But somehow the sunniest. It's still the sunniest. <laughs> yep. Right. Well, Is that in Scotland or the UK? Scotland, Scotland. Not, not, not the <laughs> right, UK. okay, so it's a small trophy. <laughs> no, it's, it's a big trophy. Do you know the landmass of Scotland? Like, and, I'm know, so good at geography, I definitely do. Like, Andrew, like, you need to. So Tell I, her I'm, in, I'm in the Highlands, and the thing they always say about NHS Island is that it's got the same landmass as Belgium, so it's pretty Oh, big. wow. Big. I definitely know how big Belgium is, yeah. so that's really helpful. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so for this episode, like last time, we asked you, the listeners, to send us your dilemmas. So this episode is going to be almost like an agony aunt style. Some of the med students wanted to remain anonymous with their dilemmas. So some of our dilemmas today are voiced by actors and friends. Right. So I'm going to start off with perhaps probably like the most serious dilemma that we're going to tackle today. And then we'll move on to the lighter hearted stuff. So we had a listener tell us about a time that they were out for a couple of drinks and their date had an emergency and felt unwell and they had to react. Let's hear the story voiced by an actor for confidentiality. I was on a date a little while ago and I thought it was going fairly well until suddenly he started to look unwell, like getting clammy and wheezy and he realised he was having an anaphylactic reaction to something. This happened before, so he had his EpiPen on him, but by that time we both had a few glasses of wine and when I went to use the EpiPen I got it the wrong way round and ended up stabbing myself instead of him. Luckily, just after that, the ambulance arrived and the paramedics arrived and everyone was okay. However, as you can guess, we didn't have a second date. So this got me thinking a little bit about our responsibility as medical students if we ever are out and drink alcohol, but then are faced with an emergency. For example, if you're at a pub and someone has an anaphylactic shock and they carry an EpiPen, like you don't need to be medically trained to do that or if someone needs CPR, like any member of the public might have a go at that. But then if you're on a plane and you've had a glass of wine and they're looking for a medical professional, like could you still go up? Where do you guys think you draw the line? Well, no joke. Literally, whenever I leave the house, I go through like ATE 
basic life support. Like, I do it all. Um, I get so stressed at the idea of being on the tube and someone having an arrest and me being the only one to be remotely helpful. I'm not, like, I'm not even joking. I'm, I don't even think it's that anxious. It's almost just like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, I'm nearly graduating. I've only got a year left. I need to be able to do this. Um, well, I'm a yeah. terrible medical student then. Um. <laughs> you don't do that. I think that's good. Um, I, I, I kind of feel it depends on the situation. Yeah. So I think if you're the only person who's able to help an individual, then you should um, help that individual. However, however, like with stuff like uh, maybe like an EpiPen, right? You don't need to be medically trained to do that. So you could ask someone else in the area to do it for you. Yeah. And say, oh, this person has an EpiPen. I'm a bit inebriated at the moment. Could you help them with an EpiPen rather than rather than you doing it yourself? Because obviously your your decision making is impaired. Like your hand eye coordination is also impaired. That's why you ended up stabbing yourself. I hope it didn't hurt too much. So I think maybe just asking someone else to do the specific tasks rather than volunteering yourself. Mm-hmm. Andrew, what are your thoughts? I don't know, like, I'm so torn, because um, I remember one of the doctors telling me that as soon as they got on a plane, they neck, like, so many drinks so that they, like, they, like, can't cancel themselves out from health if anything <laughs> happens, um, which I've, like, been like, that. that's a good idea. Um, but I've also had it where, like, I've genuinely, like, I've been out for drinks uh, in Glasgow, and somebody was, like, having a fit on the street, and I was sort of like, oh, no, you're kidding me on. And I was like, I had, had just, like, a quick, like, peek to see if there's anybody helping and they're like wasn't there was people around them but nothing was really happening and i was like but i've had a few drinks like and then my friend was like do you need to do you need to do anything and i was like I should probably check so i went over and just checked that they were okay and like did the the lily ate and it was uh, everything was okay and they were fine and they were talking and everything but it was just sort of awkward because i was like am i doing the wrong thing know. helping or am i am i like i felt like i should just go and check that everything was okay like and an ambulance was coming and all that sort of thing but I was just it was sort of I didn't really know because was, I was in like first year um but uh equally I heard a story of like a medical student at a wedding and somebody started prop like properly choking and they did like the abdominal thrusts and the food flew out and like everyone was so chuffed with it um so like yeah. I don't know it dep- I think it depends on the situation and what like anyone can kind of give like a good abdominal thrust but if it's like, yeah. If there's a <laughs> I remember seeing yeah. an SJT question on PassMed, which was like, you have had a few drinks and you're out and you see someone who's collapsed, what are you supposed to do? And one of the answers, like one of the options was, uh, if you've had a drink, you're not allowed to help. That's the GMT guidance. And obviously that was the wrong answer. And then the conclusion was, even if you're like, you've had a drink, unless you are out of it, you are like, you, you, you are supposed to help. Um, so I think if you feel that you've had you haven't had so much that you're going to put the person at more risk by doing whatever you need to do unless it's that situation I think you should help Mm. yeah I feel like that's medicine in in a nutshell though like like recognizing what your limitations are so like knowing when to um like even when you're not inebriated and well you shouldn't be inebriated at work um knowing when to call for see for a senior's help just to say oh this is above what i am capable of can you help me please so i think if you are um quite drunk 
and you recognize someone's in need and you do the things like calling an ambulance and all that stuff then i think that that is very suitable but don't quote me i'm not an, i'm not i'm i'm not i'm not in the gmc and i'm not like an ethics professor or anything this is this is just my not own yet. personal opinion yeah yeah the other solution is to only ever go out near a hospital or where you know <laughs> medics will be which is genuinely what i inadvertently end up doing because east london is just filled with doctors and nurses or only so I'll, I'll never be the first one there. or only be close to paralytically drunk so that you're just not even in a fit state to help Oh, wow. I, I'm not going to comment on that one <laughs> so I did try and look into this a bit and I have to say it was really really difficult to find like a definitive answer and I didn't end up finding one you just sort of have to piece together like odd bits of guidance and apply that to each unique situation because like the GMC med student guidelines on alcohol cover like drug and alcohol abuse and they it says it includes drink driving and alcohol consumption that affects clinical practice but I guess the whole question here is that these things aren't really clinical practice. Like if anyone, regardless of their background, without need for medical training can attempt these things and they could be life-saving, then I don't know. But then um, the other relevant advice that I managed to find was about being a med student if you're on a plane or something like that and an emergency requires assistance. And it did say that if there are no doctors there, like students could put themselves forward or even assisting a doctor if there is a doctor there but that it like stressed that students need to be aware of their competencies and assess their ability and it said including asking yourself if you feel sleepy drowsy fatigued or had recently consumed alcohol so that was something that they had yeah. mentioned and yeah. and i suppose it's very very different you helping someone in, in an emergency situation and then taking them to the hospital or where someone else can help them yeah. who is very much sober and you making a clinical decision in your inebriated state saying now nah, you're fine you're all right like go home that that that's th those yeah. are two very different situations making sure you get it checked yeah and i would hope in this situation you did call an ambulance and went to A&E and got them checked and all yeah. the good healthy stuff that you should do. I think I worry that if I was the one helping that other people even if they're more trained like they're a nurse or a doctor or any medical professional that's more trained than a completely unqualified medical student like they wouldn't go come and help because they think someone's helping Whereas like, I would want a big sign saying, I am helping, but if someone more qualified is here, please take over. Please How do you do that? <laughs> That's such yeah. a good point. I don't know. Do you just like, sh like, as you're doing it, like shout? I don't know. I think I probably would be like, do you not like a real like doctor or a real nurse. Wear like, your I'm a medical student t-shirt. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's horrible lanyards that say I'm yeah, a student doctor. We've seen them. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll discuss some more of your dilemmas, but that'll be right after this. How much do you care about indemnity right now? Probably not a lot. You're still a few years away from really worrying about claims and complaints from patients. But being part of medical protection is about a lot more than just indemnity. We can be there if something goes wrong, but we're also here to help make sure things go right too. We're the only medical defence organisation that protects doctors all over the world. From London to Brisbane, Cork to Cape Town, 300,000 members benefit from our expert advice and support throughout their career. During your years at medical school, your membership is completely free. You'll get training resources that can help you become an even better doctor 
plus a dedicated student team there for you when you need it most. And when it comes to your elective, you can trust in our international experience to protect you wherever you choose to go. It's no wonder that 90% of medical students in the UK choose to be part of medical protection. You can find out more at medicalprotection.org. All right, so the next dilemma is a bit like the age-old question, and here's our clip. Right, I think I might like someone in my clinical group. Is it weird to ask them on a date? Like, if it goes badly and I still have to work with them for the rest of the year, what do you guys think? What is our advice? I think absolutely. Like, why not? I don't know. I just feel like, why would you... Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm too romantic. I just feel like (laughs) if you like someone, ask them out. People always waste time with this sort of thing. And if it goes wrong, yeah, you are together. I don't know. But how wrong can it... Oh, okay. maybe, I'm, maybe I'm backtracking okay, it can go wrong it can go really wrong let's take this step by step because I think there's a lot of different like scenarios that could happen if you like do you guys think that you could date your clinical partner or say if you're a junior doctor like your colleague who's the same stage as you who you work with c- quite closely and see every single day all I'm gonna say is don't let Chidera hear you guys talking about this because she will not be impressed <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> um she already slated me (laughs) for me it's a hard no because i like my own space and i think the best relationships i've I've ever been in have been long distance Um, (laughs) (laughs) okay hard to disagree with that no like i don't know imagine waking up next to the same person then going into work to see them as well that's too much that's that's just way too much it's not cute like i think i'm getting the vibe already this is a personal (laughs) (laughs) oh no it's not but i've never i have never dated a co-worker no no i mean like like, this is a personal preference thing oh oh, yeah this is is such strong opposing opinions i'm thinking that this is probably like could you face them every single day like because at the moment like kd you're saying that even if the relationship was going well you'd be sick of it yeah whereas her like the um the listeners dilemma seems to be like they're more worried about if it goes wrong i suppose it depends well, like how how capable do you think you are of handling if it goes wrong like because like i don't know if you're gonna like if you're if you're a burn bridges type of person or if you're like you leave things amicable yeah do you that, that, yeah that could like that could have a big um, bearing on how it goes yeah but and it depends on what the person's like as well is that person a burn bridges type of person yeah it is risky because like also, if one of you is heartbroken, or both of you, if it ends, the idea of having to see them every day makes me feel nauseous. Yeah. So, oh, I don't know. But then if it goes well, <laughs> you're together all the time, and that's great. And you have to make no effort at all to see them, which as a medic, I'm sure you can all agree, is quite difficult to plan enough time to see people. So, We've oh, got I some head going on here. I like, I like how um, passionate you are about like this hypothetical love, Lily. You're like so excited for her. <laughs> we need to get Lily in a relationship. But it's not hypothetical. It's like, this is a real person with a real dilemma. And I, I love love. And oh. But then also, if it goes wrong, I don't want to be to blame for that. Right, I've got another question. What if they say no? Like, what oh. if they ask them out and then they say no? Oh, that's, that's easy. Like... Then well, that, that You can move on from that pretty easily, surely. Can you? What if, what if they're the love of your life? Depends how you do it. If well, they shouldn't be if you haven't asked them out yet. If you've flown a plane with a sign saying, will you go out with me? And they say no. <laughs> it's different to if they just be like, nah, I'm sorry. But I think you always have to ask someone out before the stakes are too high. 
So really... this person shouldn't be asking the person out if the stakes are already so high, I think. So hopefully this is near the beginning of their potential love story and stakes are low, just got vibes. Then they ask them out. Yeah, maybe they say no, but everyone recovers and we move on. Hmm. I like this advice. I'm going to like, what's it called? What's it called where you like speak things into into truth? Manifest it. Yeah, I'm going to manifest it for these people that, oh no, but then I want it to go well. If it goes, if it goes well, to go well. Oh gosh, I feel so I much feel responsibility like for this relationship. So if, it, if it's just vibes, go for it. Yes, and if it's love. Already. But then also surely you have to go for that because then that's like... <laughs> right, we're not very good at this. I think, no, I I think I... go for it. I think go for it. Deal with it. Life is hard. Love is hard. People get hurt. You'll get over it. And it's not worth the risk by not doing it, I don't think. See, I would say it depends on if they're going to be in your group for like the next few years. So like in the sunnier city in Scotland, Dundee. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like we are in the same small group for the first three years so if you're in first year then that's just that's a bit of a sticky one like if you want to if you want to take that risk i'm not going to stop you but just know that this is the risk you are taking that for the next three years you will be in the same group of that person however in our fourth in our in our fourth and fifth year you're only on like with the same person for four weeks so if it's only four weeks (laughs) by all means go for it live your life like do whatever you want to do but three years of that awkwardness, I don't know if it's worth it. Okay. And then do you wait three years to say something? What if you really think that you're supposed to be together? Well, I think that's, I guess, again, it's like situational, isn't it? So I feel like if you really, really are like thinking about it every minute of every day, then you're probably putting yourself through as much pain as the worst case scenario, right? it's different I, I think just go for it also like you will get over it That's even true. if it does go wrong you'll be really sad but you will get over character it character strengthening yeah what, absolutely what do you think Andrew? I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards no <laughs> no it's, it's the, the three years thing freaks me out that, that, that freaks me out but I suppose if I think I'm more in the camp of if it's like a four week six week rotation then like yeah what have you got to lose but if it's like years then yeah, maybe not okay. I'm going to change the question a little bit. Um, so what about if there's like a difference in terms of like hierarchy and power dynamics? Like can mm. a med student date the F1 or the reg like on your ward? Or the consultant. I don't, yeah, the consultant. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it's not recommended that you're to date an F1 or anyone like senior to you in your firm, like on yeah. your placement, but you can date them if they're not on your placement. I think it's something to do with like, if they are someone like your who can teacher, sign you yeah, off. Yeah. Like there, you're not supposed to date someone who can sign you off. Um, so in that case, I think you are supposed to wait until you're not on their placement anymore. I think that's like the professionalism mm. thing. And I, I would recommend waiting until they're not actually your senior. But like, if you're on a different placement and they just happen to be an F1, but not your F1, absolutely go for it, be fine. Boys, what do you think? Um, <laughs> we seem to have differing opinions again. No, I, I, don't, I don't. I don't. It's not. It's not a differing opinion. I'm. I'm very much go for it if you want to go for it. Um, but 
but just be aware of the power dynamics and just be aware that you're not being put in a situation that you don't want to be in. I think I think the problem with dating someone who's more senior than you, especially if they have control over your assessments and your career progression and all that stuff, like you can potentially feel pressured to say yes to them even though you don't want to. And so I, so I hope you don't feel pressured into um, yeah. dating someone at all. And to be honest, it's not really your responsibility because you're not the person in a position of power. Like, mm. It's delicate, isn't it? Especially when like, the yeah. power hierarchies come into it. But what about if, like, does it make a difference, do you guys think, if like you're a post-grad student and you're actually the same age? That's just what I was thinking. I was thinking about like people in my course or maybe like they may be the same age as the Reg or, the, or whatever. And then, like, I don't know. For some reason, it seems like it would have less of an effect. Like, if you're older... Yeah. Like I don't know, but then I, again, imagine, I don't think it's about I don't yeah. think it's about age. I think yeah. it really is about their role. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Like uh, when I'm in my head, I think in my head it thinks like oh, it, it probably makes it less of a difference. Be, yeah. But then in reality, I'm like, well, it probably shouldn't. But I, I don't guess. Know. I guess maybe like there'll be like less things that are different, and like there's like one less. But I suppose it depends on like what the age gap is that we're talking about. Like, are we talking yeah, about? Yeah, like... that's what I was gonna say. Like, age definitely matters. It's kind of like saying, oh yeah, prison's just a place. Age matters. Like, like if a if a thirty year old Reg is wanting to date a second year school leaver, that's a bit uh, and a bit of a strange thing to be doing. Because I'm just thinking, what exactly do you have in common? You have nothing in common. But if, uh, <laughs> well, you I, shouldn't I, have anything in common. Surely they can decide that for themselves. Yeah. Isn't it about life stage? Like a, yeah, a that's what I was thinking. Straight out of school, second year medical student, is it a completely different life stage exactly. to a 30-year-old no, I, I agree with that completely. That, that's what I mean by, like, you have nothing in common. We're going to talk about, oh, yeah, I did, like, English A-level. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think I'm... I don't know. I think obviously the nuances of it can be discussed basically forever. Yeah. I think I wouldn't recommend dating someone who has yeah has any role in your assessment or sign off or is in your actual placement. Um, ideally, wait until you've left it. And also, like yeah, I think that it's their responsibility to not engage with something with you while they're while you're on their firm. That's their responsibility. One hundred percent. And also some people often find like lifelong relationships in med school, especially like historically, I imagine maybe generations above us, it was more common to like find your like life partner at med school. But what do we think more broadly? Do you guys like, would you, do you think it's best to date medics or non-medics basically is what I'm asking. My my ex is a medic and part of the reason we broke up was because of the Class. medic stress and clashing of timetable and all of that. So I have bad anecdotal evidence however dating someone who can understand like what you've done in your day is so for me genuinely makes such a difference although I always thought I wouldn't ever date a medic and hopefully won't date a medic again I don't think oh I don't know <laughs> again it's like if you meet someone and you like them then sure it's all about the person like, ideally sure. let's say ideally like what would be your idea like would you prefer to date a medic or not no ideally no what about mostly because I someone's look after the children <laughs> what about you andrew i don't know i'm sort of torn as well because it's that sort of thing where can you really be bored talking about medicine that much um or yeah, imagine if it's like the dinner table conversation as well and it's yeah like... and you're kind of just like oh no but uh on the other hand think of like the joint household income like that could be class um or <laughs> um but and also yeah just that 
thing about like yeah they maybe understand like we are coming from a bit more with like knights and on call and all that sort of stuff is like probably quite hard to not to understand but to be like tolerate <laughs> i think is like the, the the difficult part but i don't know I don't, I don't have a preference really um yeah but yeah i think i probably switch in between the two <laughs> <laughs> trial and error yeah exactly <laughs> i guess there's definite like pros and cons isn't there? So I'm just like Andrea. To be honest, I'm not that picky, contrary to popular belief. I, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really mind the profession of my future life partner. Like as long as you're sensible and hardworking and all those other fun stuff, then yeah. You're sensible and hardworking. That sounds hot. <laughs> I know. Like I am very boring. I just, I, I just want stability. <laughs> Sorry, that's totally fine. I'm not judging you for that. No, but it's just like, well, (laughs) I don't know. What are your top priority character traits, Lily? Oh, I don't know. Sensible, hardworking, (laughs) definitely those things. (laughs) Okay, well... I'm 22. That's not, yeah, not on my priority. Yeah, see, I'm nearly 28. That's why. Okay, we'll take another dilemma in just a moment, but we're just going to take a quick break to hear about an offer available to Sharp Scratch listeners. As a junior doctor, you want the latest clinical information at your fingertips, anywhere, anytime. That's why, funded by Health Education England, NHS Education for Scotland and NHS Wales, all NHS staff in England, Scotland and Wales have free access to BMJ Best Practice. BMJ Best Practice provides the latest evidence-based information structured around the patient consultation to help you treat patients with confidence. It includes differential diagnosis and treatment algorithms, videos of common clinical procedures, important update alerts for evidence changes, over 500 medical calculators, links to local guidelines and nearly 500 patient leaflets. Create your free account today by visiting bmg.com forward slash UK access. Okay, back to the show. I think we've got time for one more dilemma. So, and I know this dilemma took med Twitter by storm earlier on in the year. Hi guys at Sharp Scratch. I wanted to ask you guys, uh, do you wear your stethoscope around your neck on placement? Because I've heard so many variations of different medical schools where it's normal and others where it's basically forbidden because of a professional hierarchy. What do you guys think? Let's go, Radley. At your med schools, do you wear them round your neck or not? This is the big one, isn't it? It's a big question. It's as big as it gets. Do you know what's quite funny? So obviously at the pharmacy before this, so I used to like be on the wards and see medical students. I remember thinking like, seen them wearing their, their stethoscope around the neck being like idiots man and, <laughs> and uh, but now i'm like uh, i think so this is for no reason other than just what i do i usually put my stethoscope in my like scrubs pocket um mm-hmm. uh, or i put it in my uh, back pocket if i'm just wearing like normal stuff but um lately because of the just the scrubs i've been wearing like the pockets have been really rubbish so i've just been wearing it around my neck and uh so I can sort of, I've got feet, feet in both worlds at the moment. And uh, I think if I could, I'd put it in a pocket, but I've been wearing it around the neck recently and uh, I've not been hating it. So I'm, one part, 
ashamed of myself in one part embracing this new life so. see i was so surprised when i saw this like debate on med twitter because i, I think it's very normal at manchester everyone wears their sesquips around their necks and i've never thought twice about it and like i i after like that all came out i was like where else would i put it because i, I swear like girls trousers like the pockets this is like last yeah. year when we didn't have scrubs like the pockets wouldn't fit my stethoscope yeah. in so like I it's either like carrying it all times or it'd be around my neck I never thought twice about it at yeah. Bart's there isn't a rule um I would say most students put it around their necks you don't really think about it that's where it makes sense I actually don't I also put mine in my scrubs top pocket I like wrap it up in a way yeah. that so the the like spikes are yeah you know um and that works well for me but I only do that not because of like I'll never get told off having it around my neck I do that because I don't want to be mistaken for a doctor on the ward. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really make much of a difference, but I want to like remove one like sign that I'm a doctor because I don't want any responsibility. Um, <laughs> also, I don't actually use it enough. Yeah. I don't think. That's very like, true. Unless, unless you're on rest or cardio, I don't use it enough for like to be around my neck. It feels a bit like pretentious. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. So I haven't used my own personal stethoscope in like maybe three years maybe <gasps> what <laughs> i know i know i know how have you, 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 you just been on neuro <laughs> so um okay there's several so different reasons yeah go on then so in dundee the first three years are not that clinical and you don't so, so you don't actually get that much time on the wards anyway and in our in our in our third year anyway actually after first year like we've done all the blocks that you traditionally use your stethoscope for like so gi cardio oh, and rest. Right, okay. so we've got all of those out of the way and then our other blocks you don't really need to listen to anything using a stethoscope apart from maybe endocrine and listening for like thyroid breweries or something so that's the first reason and then this year because of covid everywhere i've been on placements they've um like all the different wards I've been on. So I've had Pete's and Obs and Gunny. Those are, my, those are my first two blocks. And each of the patients had their own stethoscope in their bed oh, area wow. oh. to, to, to like to limit infection. Yeah. So, when, so when I've had to listen to patients' hearts and whatever, I've just used their own personal stethoscope that, is, that has been assigned to them. And then I did psych afterwards and in psychiatry we're not really <laughs> listening to people's hearts yeah. and then my last block was gp and again like the practice had its own stethoscope when for when we brought patients in and we disinfected straight afterwards and leave it in the stethoscope box the other reason i don't wear my stethoscope around my neck is because one consultant looked took one look at my stethoscope and asked me if it was a toy because what color is it <laughs> what color is it it's like a baby blue mine, i've got a baby pink one <gasps> mine again mine's hot pink <laughs> i've got the baby yeah. pink one i think mine's mine's cooler because it's hot pink oh well i think I've mine's cooler because it's baby blue it's, <laughs> it's the blue of the skies of dundee oh yeah mine's okay. is just the standard one but i got it for a gift when i left pharmacy. yeah just the black one with the metal bits but i got it for a gift from the pharmacy department so i was like has it got the rainbow oh, bit on no, it no it's just straight up 
standard. Oh, I find the rainbow ones so irritating. There's nothing that can make me more annoyed. I don't understand them. I have, oh no, have you got have you got a rainbow no, no, one? No, 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 I don't. Okay. No, I, don't. I don't. Yeah, I love colourful things that, yeah, like, that like, look like toys, but yeah, the rainbow ones, I'm like, mm. why? So, Coyote, you're, so you're I... on the ward and you've got your stethoscope for the first time in a few years. Are you wrapping that around the neck? Or are you putting it in the pocket? Oh, so I so I actually do always have my stethoscope on me in fourth year, but I've never actually had to use it. So I actually have a little man bag satchel that I carry. Oh, wow, personally. you're one of those. <laughs> no, just because it's just easy, because it means I don't forget anything. No, so it's I a have, good idea. So like yeah, I have my practical. sign-off book in there, my notebook in there, my stethoscope in there, and loads of pens in there, oh, wow. my glasses, my wallet, and lots of glasses cleaners. So it just means I don't have to think about anything in the morning. I just pick my bag and go. That's a good Fair idea. Enough. I shove everything in my scrubs pocket, yeah, so it's like the it's like the opening of it is facing yeah. forward because it's so heavy. Yeah. Well, I I actually oh, got the idea from surgery. a Sharp Scratch episode, so yeah, listen to Sharp Scratch, guys. <laughs> I, I feel like think... you're, you're aiming that at the wrong audience if they're already listening know, to this episode. I know, I know, I know, I know. Tell I know. your friends well, to listen to Sharp Scratch. I I I already do. I'm actually quite annoying. Like. But yeah, I was talking to Anna the other day and I was like, it's so weird being on Sharp Scratch because I, I was a massive fan of the show. So was I. I was saying this this morning. But... And it's just like, it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, when this was all over Twitter, I heard someone say that a consultant in one of their hospitals threatens to cut medical students' stethoscopes if it's round their neck. Really? <gasps> like, what are our thoughts on that? It's just not that deep. I almost think that's quite cool, but obviously it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I would just quite like to. It's like cutting a bike lock. Not that I've ever done that, but you know. Wow, Lily. <laughs> Stop talking about that. <laughs> I was not expecting that. There's a it's dark I was, side to I, me. I was thinking about it earlier. I walked past some bikes. <laughs> Let's move on. Are these sensible and hardworking comments are, are making more sense there? <laughs> <laughs> I promise I'm not as chaotic as this sounds. Okay, so from our three dilemmas today and like everything that we've discussed, what bit of advice would you give to our listeners who have written in dilemmas to take away from this episode? Just like things that we've discussed today. I think never have a rainbow stethoscope. (laughs) Fair enough. You look like an idiot. But get a hot pink one. They're really, they're like, people like them. They comment on them. They're really hot. They're hot. (laughs) Kids like them. Old people like them. Consultants don't like them generally, but like, you're never going to please a consultant. Um, my takeaway points would be that you can please a consultant because <laughs> like me and my psych consultants, we had lovely chats about oh, coffee. I'm sorry, psych is a whole other world. Like we, we swapped it. coffee, we, we swapped coffee granules and stuff. It was great. Yeah, psych consultants are gems. So is GP and peds. Okay, yeah, maybe. And yeah, those ones. Like, yeah, 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 let's, let's not I've, get into this. Sure, I've, I've enjoyed all my placements. Okay, um, my takeaway point is be wary of seniors who try to date you when okay. you're attached to their firm. It's a bit of a dark one, but it's, it's just something I feel very strongly about in terms of like power dynamics and stuff. It's just a bit of an awkward one. Very fair. Andrew? Yeah, mine just probably be. Uh have a good assessment of a situation if you're going to try and start doing CPR or something like that and you've had some drinks. Yeah. So, yeah. 
yeah, have that internal think of like, am I capable of doing of helping here or um, can I not stand? Um, and then just like decide what you're gonna do, uh, and don't feel guilty if you know you you check yourself out of one because yeah, you you, you feel like you're gonna do more harm than good. Thank you guys so much for offering your advice and thank you to our listeners for sending in their dilemmas but i think that's all from us on sharp scratch today if you'd like to hear more from us please subscribe to sharp scratch wherever you get your podcasts and in two weeks time you'll be notified of our next episode while you wait for the next one do check us out on social media we're bmj student on twitter facebook and instagram let us know what you think about the podcast using the hashtag sharp scratch and i'd love to hear your ideas for what you think we should cover later on in the season it's also really helpful to us if you can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts as it helps other med students find the show. Until next time, bye from us. Bye! bye.